Welcome to Teal Interiors, a holistic approach to interior design. I'm Dee. And I'm Alicia. Welcome to Teal Interiors. Today's topic, we will be discussing three common design challenges. But before we get to that, Alicia, I need to know what you're sipping on. You recommended a tea to me not so long ago, and it is, I hope I say this right, it's cacao chai. Mm. You remember that? Yeah, I remember that one. That's with cinnamon and ginger and stuff. Mm, yeah. Yes, yeah. it's so yummy, delish. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm having toasted coconut this morning, which is uh, a black tea with cocoa nibs and apple, ginger, cloves, etc. It's very mm. good. Mm-hmm. That sounds really good. I'm enjoying it. I love anything coconut. And to the contrary, my mother, if, you, if it has coconut in it, she's still not feeling that. <laughs> you know, not with it. I find like it, co- I love coconut, but I find it's either people are allergic, they love it, or they hate it. It's not really people are like, yeah, coconut's okay. It's either I love coconut or I hate coconut. So. <laughs> but anyway, Alicia, it is time for... D's a random <laughs> I love that. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So remember how I told you about the Vanta Black, which is the blackest black? Do you remember that fact a while ago? I do remember that. Mm-hmm. So now the opposite of black is white. And today I am talking about the whitest white that was created last year. October 21st, the paper was released on Purdue University's website. The researchers there discovered how to make a paint that is 95.5% reflective of light. Purdue University researchers made the whitest paint on record, and it's to help cool off buildings enough so that AC is not required. This paint is made to keep surfaces 18 degrees Fahrenheit cooler than their ambient surroundings. Think of how a refrigerator does it, but without the use of energy. According to the researchers, the paint will replace the need for AC by absorbing nearly no solar energy and sending the heat away from the building back into outer space. Now, did you know that by sending the heat back into outer space, heat travels indefinitely at the speed of light anyway, and space is like apparently a huge heat dump. What this would do is this would keep the Earth's atmosphere cooler and may help to combat global warming. That's cool. That's yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it. So if you want to know more about it, you can check purdue.edu slash M-E. So, Alicia. Yes. It is on to our topic, which is three common design challenges that we've seen with some of our clients. Mm-hmm. Would you like to start or would you like me to start? Well, I'll start. Yeah. Okay. One that I think we should definitely not forget to talk about is scale. I think a lot of times folks are very challenged. I, I'm challenged by this myself and I'm in the business. Well, not really challenged by it. I just make the mistake a lot because I like very large scale. I just have a, I just lean in the direction of ample 
the key here is to make sure that when you are designing a space or decorating, you want to choose the appropriate size object or furniture initially. Furniture is really the key. A lot of times people will put this humongous bed, like the frame of a bed in a room that just cannot hold it. And when I say hold it, there's just no negative space around it. So when you go into the room, it's all bed. You can barely walk around. Don't you see that a lot where you can't even put a little nightstand or if you do put a nightstand, it has to be so tiny. And now the tiny nightstand is not proportionate to the bed. And now it just feels like it, it gets swallowed up by the room and you, you don't even, you don't, can't even appreciate it. And a really spectacular bed need to have some room around it so you can really appreciate the, the styling. I'm sure most people put something in a room that they love. And what a shame if you really can't see it. You have to be able to step back from it and actually, you know, receive that, that aesthetic. And a lot of times that's not happening. I have that going on right now and you can appreciate it, but it's just a big old fabulous piece of woodwork or casement. And it's a monstrous piece of furniture in my living room. It's just dramatic. It's a fabulous piece, but I wish I just had this huge room for it. it unfortunately, it's going to have to go because I bought it before I bought the house. But anyway, the other thing is even decorative accessories. Don't you notice? I call them tchotchkes, but there will be these little trinket items, like these cute little things on a nice size coffee table. And it's like, what, what was going on there? It really does that add to the coffee table. It doesn't, I know there are little items that you may like, but they're just like things to clean. So you want to put something that it doesn't have to be dramatic, but it does have to be. In scale. So like, it, yeah, the it, coffee table is rectangular and pretty sizable. You don't want to put like a small one inch candle or a couple of small one inch candles on there because it, like you said, it just doesn't even out. You would rather put like either a large bowl or something right in the center or large vase or a large candle, something that would, you know, be in proportion to the table and give it some oomph and also give it some some life and make it stand out instead of just like, oh, wah, wah, wah. Exactly. It swallows it up. It may be something nice, but you're not going to notice it. Yeah, because the piece is too large. It's like an ant sitting on top of a, a whale, right? Right. right. not going to forget. That's a good um, <laughs> I don't know where I get these things from. <laughs> yeah. So I have a quick story about me and scale and evolution. So when I was younger, before my days as a designer, I don't know, I was like 20 or something. I just wanted this bed, this this Victorian mahogany bed and I was obsessed with it. It cost me over a thousand dollars and it was a queen size because it, they didn't make it any other size. But my room was a twin size, you can say, because if I had a twin size bed, I could make the room look fabulous. Now there's a day bed in there. But yeah, so the room is not a queen size, but I stuffed that queen size bed in there. And like you said, I had no room for anything else. I couldn't put a nightstand, but I was happy with my bed. And I told myself, this is my focal point. <laughs> and so, I mean, I could have had some end table, you know, some nightstands, but I didn't have any more money left over after I spent the thousand dollars on my bed. But 
it's it's a life it was a life lesson and I was glad that I learned it young and then when I started design school and I started learning these things I knew it didn't make sense you know when I was doing it but I just couldn't stop myself but now because you just loved it right yeah but now I have more restraint so (laughs) what else do you think Alicia what about that I touched on the focal point what that's another thing that I find people have a challenge about identifying the focal point or center of attention in the room. You want to elaborate on that? You choose a focal point. It it needs to be. So wait a minute. Let's talk about what the focal point is. Basically, the focal point is either an architectural feature within the room, like i.e. maybe you have a fireplace. And then you would situate your furniture around it because you want to draw attention to that area because it's a nice area to look at. If you don't have a focal point or any architectural feature or any specific scenery, you can make up your own focal point by using a piece of art to make it your focal point or some other type of scenery that can serve as your focal point that can give it that nice quality. And then you would design everything around it. So let's say you bought this great piece of art and you have a huge wall you, that's empty that you can put it on. You put that huge piece of art there and then you would design everything around it so that when, the, when people walk in or when you walk in, your eye is drawn immediately to that scene that you created and it creates that focal point. It draws the eye in. And then the eye would move around very easily. I agree. I love a focal point to be an architectural element, a fireplace, or a wonderful piece of molding. And I like to do remnant or pieces that have been pulled out of old houses, mansions. I did buy a piece at one point. It was just the most beautiful hand-carved millwork. And I used it in a foyer and I had a mirror inserted in it. And it was great to, it was like the greeting or the welcome piece in, in that main dramatic foyer. It really has to be like, it has to have presence. It yeah. has to be strong, not, yeah. not necessarily, or color, color too. It could be something bold and colorful. Exactly. You could, if you wanted to, you can paint an accent wall or you could, paint a large squared surface on your wall that's a certain color or you know you could get very creative with creating your own architectural feature or your own scenery or something you want to draw attention to that's basically what it is but you want to draw good attention (laughs) and not you know not something that you don't want people to see that you draw the eye away from that but that's why you know that's where designers that's where we're most skilled, right? Creating those illusions, especially when we stage, right? We create those illusions. So Alicia, what's the third challenge we can discuss? Mm-hmm. So wind function is something that I think we should definitely discuss. A lot of our clients get confused about what to call rooms. I've had people, especially in the house hunting phase, They'll go through a space and they'll say, well, what is this room for? What do I use this for? And 
It is a challenge, especially if there are very interesting and different types of rooms. Like I have a really tiny room that has a bathroom in it. And I'm like, what was this for? In my old house, it was the maid's quarters, even though I didn't have maid, but that's what it would have been back in the day when it was built. So it's a really quirky little room because the maid or the house assistant was not there all the time. So you'll say, well, what do I do with that room? I noticed during this whole pandemic, a lot of people are working out of their dining rooms. So they've turned the dining room into the office. There are so many challenges. I have a, a, a room on the third floor of my house and that room doesn't have a closet. It feels like it wants to be a bedroom because it has a bathroom up there. But instead of making it a bathroom, I'm making it the office. And you really have to define what you're going to do in the room or else it won't the room be confused. The room is confusing. You won't feel settled in that room. Normal people who come to visit you or family members who come into the room, it's going to have a dis-ease or unpleasant energy. So you want to make sure you're very clear about what that room is going to be used for. And you can have dual function, right? D, you can do one thing in a room. I definitely agree with your summary there. And I I think we were going to, in a future episode, discuss how to create flex spaces. But like you said, on the face of it, you should be able to clearly define your spaces. So that way the energy, because we're always talking about how you feel in your home, the energy that your home gives off, what messages it tells you. You want to just make sure that you are defining these spaces so that you can feel more, like you said, at ease when you're home. So Alicia, I think that we gave people a lot to think about. I loved your assessment of everything. And if anyone has any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. And also we are looking for people that may want to do a quick little online consultation where we help them with one design challenge. And we put it on the podcast. So if you have a design challenge, you have something you'd love to ask a question to a designer about, everything's in the show notes, guys, how to contact us. So just get in touch with us. And we would be so excited to have you on the podcast. So Alicia, any last words of wisdom before we wrap this thing up into a nice little bow? Yep. You just want to make sure that the spaces that you're living in really speak to your style and your energy and your personality. You want to get some help if you feel like you're too challenged with it. That's what we're for or any other professional in in the field of interior design and architecture. We are the go-to for those types of challenges. Sometimes you do just hit a wall and you don't know. I've even called on a friend or two when I needed some assistance. So there's no shame in in your game. Excellent advice, Alicia. Thanks so much for listening to T.O. Interiors. We were so happy to have you today. Have a great day. Bye. Bye, guys. Tio Interiors is brought to you by Truesdale Morrison Design. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Truesdale Morrison Design. And please rate and subscribe this podcast to help us improve and grow. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Nice job, ladies. Carry on.